0: Hello and good day to all of you listeners out there. I hope you are all doing wonderful. Like I'd like to welcome you to episode one of season one of Flipping with Fig. And it's me, your boy Fig. And if you haven't listened to the trailer, you, you missed out on kind of what exactly this podcast is and what the, the goal is and a little bit of a teaser of what the first book is. So I guess I'll just go ahead and reiterate that now. Flipping with Fig is, is your ultimate book club podcast, either whether I'm chatting with a guest co-host for a different book or whether I'm just chatting with you I'd like to either go through and read a book and maybe give my thoughts on, maybe give a brief little summary over, over the podcast. And then I'll also kind of just give my thoughts on maybe talk character development, talk plot development, maybe some themes where I think things are going to go. And It's not necessarily a certain kind of book. It'll be all kinds of books. It'll be maybe a self-help book, maybe a his. A uh, nonfiction book, maybe a a western book, maybe a a crime mystery novel, maybe it's a, a horror book, or maybe it's maybe I'm really dipping my toes in the water. And if I have a listener out there who says I really want to know what Fig's gonna, I want Fig's one one two his two cents on this. Maybe I'll even read a romance novel, which I don't wouldn't get my hopes up too high on that. But you never know what could happen. So as I said in the trailer, the first book we are reading is by the, the great Dale Carnegie and it's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And as I said in the in the trailer, this isn't one of your books that's kind of geared towards oh, you're a, you're a lonely kid on a playground and you need to learn to make friends. No, this book is this book is more about how to deal with people and kind of like the art of dealing with people and maybe uh, maybe like the art of persuasion. You could probably say that, that goes into it, but I'm not going to go... I'm not going to completely get into what the purpose of the book is because well, I'm going to get right into the episode and get right into it. So I like to start, when I, when I like to read books, I like to start off at the very beginning. I'll usually, I'll, I'll read the preface and all the way up until the end until I'm, I've am i literally run out of things to read. And I'm not talking reading the index because that, that, that does get a little tedious. So I'm not going to do that. But so I started off with the section, how this book was written and why. So basically, this, this section of the book is really just uh just a sales pitch of the book, basically saying why you should read this book, um, the great things you're gonna get out of reading this book, and just really to kind of tease you in. Like if you weren't interested in the book before, you read this section and you're supposed to be you're Dale's trying to get you running through a wall to read this book. And honestly, I was sold on this book before even reading that. And after reading that, I was completely sold. And I, I want to make sure. Is is 100% clear that I am in no way paid by any publisher, any person, or anything of these books. These are all just books that I find to be interesting and I like to read, or maybe you want me to read and give my two cents on. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to air that out now. I'm in no way benefiting from reading these books as a sponsor or anything like that. I just like the book. I read the book, and I tell you about the book. So, so that's that section, just like I said, just like the sales pitch of the book. So then we get into the next section called the nine suggestions to get the most out of this book. And this is really where the book kind of starts to ramp up. This is where you're like, okay, this isn't just like your normal book. Like this isn't like a Dr. Seuss book where you just read it, close the book, put it on the shelf and call it a day. Now, this section really tells you how if you, if you really want to get your money's worth out of this book, and I'm not saying it's an expensive book, but if you really want to make this book useful to yourself, here's what you need to do to read the book because you can't, you can't go about this book as if you were reading any other type of book. Like if say, if I were to read a, a Tom Clancy book, I couldn't just read this book. Like I'd read a Tom Clancy book. This is completely different. This is a whole different kind of animal of a book to read. So I'm going to go through, I was go through like the, the, the nine suggestions really quick. And if I have like a, a little note to make about it, I'll, I'll go ahead and say that and uh, I'll keep it moving. So before I get to point number one, I have read this book before and, uh, Originally starting this podcast, I thought, oh, this would be a great book to kind of start with. Make, I'll start the podcast with season one with a book that I've read before, a book that I'm familiar with, and something that that I would be able to kind of just keep it, keep it moving and really be a good test for myself. So with that said, I already know all these suggestions. I know everything about this book. It's just a great reminder for me to read these books again. Read this book again, I should say. So suggestion number one. Yeah, it is to drive it is to create a drive or to create a motivation for yourself to learn and increase your ability to deal with people. So this is basically just saying that you need to, if you want to get the most out of this book, you need to convince yourself that okay, I want to be able to deal with people. I want to improve how I'm dealing with people and I want to open up my skill set to how to deal with people. And basically the way to achieve this is to basically just keep repeating to yourself, like, I want to learn. More I want I want to learn how to deal with people in a better way. I want to do this. I want to do this. You keep encouraging yourself to do that and you're going to fly through this book. Suggestion number two is reread each chapter. He mentions, um, Bill Carnegie mentions to read the chapter, wants to kind of get like a bird's eye view, I believe, is what he says in the chapter, and then go through it again and really kind of like um just put everything under like a magnifying glass to really to really do it. I believe when I read this book the first time, I believe I did that. And I I would always catch something new on the second time through that I didn't that I missed on the first time through. Suggestion number three, stop yourself when reading to think how you can use this or a time when you could you could think of using this. Kind of like maybe think of different scenarios. Think of uh, think back on previous encounters you've had with people like say you work a customer service job and you had a really nasty customer and you instead of instead of using an approach that he uses in this book, maybe you got defensive right away and maybe you started yelling back and it, it just turned into a whole screaming match. Kind of think about different scenarios like that or just complex scenarios that you've had in the past where you could benefit from reading this book. And obviously, and I'm going to tell you now, now, it's really easy to think of when you read this book. Like I know with with, uh, chapter one itself, I mean, it's something that you could think of. You could think of a million scenarios right away. All right. So that's suggestion number three. Suggestion number four is to mark the book. Develop your own way of of identifying if something is important to you, whether it's highlighting it, whether if it's underlining it or putting a star next to a certain paragraph or something like that. Create your own rating skill if that's the way you want to go and like say a three-star rating. Yes, uh, one star, yes, it's important, but I wouldn't say it's the big driving factor of the chapter number three. Obviously a three-star would be, yes, this is the most important thing out of this chapter. But this book is... A really important book to you it's kind of like your personal Bible right now to make yourself grow as a person as a professional and kind of just how you empathize with people so definitely mark the book up don't be scared to pencil something in St- uh, suggestion number five is to constantly review the book this isn't a book that like I mentioned with another book where you you read the book you close it up and you put it on the shelf and then you you go on about your business this is a book that I always keep it on my desk and whenever I'm in a if I have if I'm going through something like say, I have a boss that's frustrating me. I kind of go through the book and I kind of I, I flip to the part where some I flip to the portion of the book that's applicable to my situation and I just go on about it. So constantly view this, constantly review this, review this book. You that you, you would, it, you're almost wasting your time if you just read this book and put it away and you don't come back to it all. So, for example, what I did is I made a list of every chapter and its main ideas and I put it on a piece of paper. And I taped it to the wall above my desk. So that way I can't work on anything at my desk without having to look up and see this list. And I always kind of just give a quick run through through this list. That's my way of constantly reviewing it. And if for something, let's say, oh, I don't remember, say, chapter five's idea. What was that? And I, I kind of go back into it and reread it. And then it's back in my head. Suggestion number six, apply these principles all the time. So, I mean, it's kind of, it, it, it's pretty common sense i mean if you apply these principles all the time it's hard to do anything but rule number five so basically what i'm saying is rule number six piggybacks off of rule number five real easily and that is by constantly reviewing this book you're going to be applying these all the time because they're constantly going to be in your head suggestion number seven is to create a punishment system for when you break the rules Uh, Dale Carnegie mentions in the book of have like a a family member or a coworker say you owe me a a quarter or something every time you break one of these rules. Obviously, you don't have to go that extreme, but I mean, it's it's a good way to keep yourself accountable to make sure the stuff in this book isn't just going in one ear and out the other. Number eight really, really, really piggybacks off of that, and that forces you to constantly review your previous interactions and reflect on what you did well and what you could have done better and what you could do better on in the future. So this is simple. I mean, if you create a punishment system, it's it's forcing you to do suggestion number 8. It's forcing you to constantly review. And after reading this book, constantly reviewing things about myself is something I do all the time, whether it's work performance, whether it's interactions I have with people, whether it's schoolwork or something like that. I'm constantly reviewing everything I do. I'm constantly putting everything under a microscope. And in the in the chapter he says he would he would reserve Saturdays for himself. And like, make sure none of his family like schedules anything for him to do on a Saturday. And make sure he has no, no kind of work to do on a Saturday, because Saturday is the day he would spend for reviewing everything. Obviously, I don't like to dedicate a whole day to that because that's six other days in the week that you kind of just letting things go by. I would kind of do everything on a daily basis, but that's just me. And number suggestion number nine is to keep notes. He says there's a bunch of blank pages in the ch- in the back of the chapter to keep notes on for, for things that you do well, for things that are important to you. Obviously, you don't have to do it in just the book itself. You can do it anywhere. But that's what he says for, are the nine suggestions for how to get the most out of this book. And obviously, if you follow those, you're going to be successful. I mean, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm like the, the poster child of this book. But I this book, this sounds sound super cliche. This book literally changed my life. Um, this book changed how I went about things with uh, with my bosses, with coworkers, with friends and arguments, with family members and arguments with hearing things family members say this book literally changed in my perspective on a lot of different things. And I think if, if you follow those nine suggestions and how to get the most out of this book, it will for you too. And I guess people kind of wonder like, okay, why did you read this book? Like, are you trying to read it for your own personal gain? And why are you talking about it on the podcast? I'm talking about it on the podcast. Cause mainly I think this is something that everyone needs to read it in their life and have this kind of have this exposure to in their life. Because yes, it, while we read this book, it's going to sound like common sense and it's going to seem like, Oh yeah. Like I could have told you that for free, but it's something that's uh, it's, this book is really a lost art and people don't practice anything in these books as much as you think they would. And if you keep, if you keep reading this and if you keep practicing this, other people may, may follow suit as well. And you may just, you're, you're if other people have a bigger exposure to this book, so many, so many people are going to benefit from this. So let's get into part one of the book, and that's Fundamental Techniques in Handling People. I'm just going to go over chapter one for this episode, and then the next episode, we I will have you guys read chapters two and three, and then I will obviously read two and three, and we'll kind of go over it as a whole if people would like to maybe send in a listener response about what they thought of chapters two and three, what they thought about my perspective so far. If they have something they to talk about, a story they want to say, all ears. So chapter one is titled, If You Want to Gather Honey, Don't Kick Over the Beehive. Some of you may understand what that means right away. Some of you may not, or I'm going to go through the chapter and then I'll go back to that. And then basically it's going to make a, to- a ton more sense. So he kind of starts off the chapter with talking about how like notorious gangsters regarded themselves and how they, how they would defend themselves and reason the things that they've done. And it basically says like, okay, he starts off with a, a guy named two gun Crawley or something like that. And he says like, he, for everything he's done, he gets treated like this. and, it, like the gangsters are obviously a grade A scumbag, but when you put what they've done under a microscope and you accuse them of saying, you did this, you did this, you did this, it it creates, it makes them become defensive and they want to defend themselves for it and try to reason with why they did it. And then he kind of concludes like that little segment with saying, well, what about common folk like us? Like, obviously we aren't, we aren't selling drugs. We aren't uh, killing people. We aren't doing this, this and this. But what about for us normal people? What do we do? So he, he kind of like leads them with the story about John Wanamaker. And he says, and John Wanamaker specifically says he learned 30 years ago, it is foolish to scold. And this is really, I thought this was really interesting because if you've, if you're an athlete, if you played sports or if you've ever done anything like those lines, coaches and sports teach you the exact opposite. Like say for football, for example, if you jump off sides, I, I had a football coach where every time we jumped off sides, we had to do 10 of whatever type of drill we had to do. So that way we wouldn't do it again. And it was always a, a really hard drill that we had to do. Like say it was laps or say it was miles, say it was uh, up downs or something like that. He constantly said, if you do that, you do that. Obviously that, work, that approach works in sports because you're too scared to jump off sides or something like that. But when it comes to dealing with people, people take that same approach from sports and it doesn't work with people like it does in sports. So one of the one of the important highlight I took from the chapter is when it was said that when you criticize people, you force them to become defensive. And, it, and when you do this, you arise a sense of uh, resentment from them. So like like we were saying, like when someone says like say your parent tells you you didn't take out the trash, you immediately have some sort of backup or some sort of uh, comeback for that for why they didn't. And you immediately take it to heart for that. They're saying like you didn't take out the trash using a lot of you language like that. So when you do that, people are immediately quick to become defensive, and they try to kind of throw it back at you in some way. Maybe they try to think of something you did wrong, and they try to throw it back at you. So you said it's best not to criticize people, and it's best to kind of talk to them in like a, a positive manner. Kind of highlight what they did wrong, highlight what they did wrong, but in a better way, if that makes sense. And B.F. Skinner used to do this with animals, where instead of, and I mean, just think about how you how you the The better ways of training animals, the better way isn't to by negatively enforcing something, it's to reward them with something. So when you reward someone for reward, someone or something for good behavior, they're prone to do it more often as opposed to, if you harp on them with a negative attitude, they're probably just going to keep doing it. And uh, another gentleman said that as much as we thirst for approval, we dread condemnation. So yeah. I mean, that's absolutely true. Like we want, we want to be approved we want to have things right but we hate being condemned and when we, we when we are condemned we always try to find an excuse for it we always try to just or we just brush it under the rug like oh who are you to talk to me like that and uh, there's a hard hat story in, in in the chapter if you if you read it or if you had have, have read it before there's an uh, gentleman wanted to tell his workers to wear their hard hats more and his first approach is he kind of tell them with authority like hey you need to wear your hard hats and then they were kind of just like, yeah, okay, guy, whatever, and go on about their business. But he decided to take a different approach to it, where he kind of like softly or gently remind them why they have the hard hats, what their purpose are. And people were, people were kind of more prone to wearing their hard hats, like saying, okay, I can reason with this guy. if By not wearing my hard hat, I'm putting myself at risk because of, of a, if this scenario happens. So yeah, maybe I'll put the hard hat on. And he does uh, another approach with he he talks about a couple different stories with uh, Teddy Roosevelt and T- versus Taft and then there's another scenario he talks about the Teapot Dome's oil scandal. I'm not going to go into that just because I don't want to go into every little example he uses to back things up. If you, I mean, if you're interested in reading about that, you can go on. You can probably look it up or you can read the book yourself, or or you probably already have read the book, read it in the book. But he the part I do want to talk about is an example he uses is with uh, President Lincoln. And uh, he said that Lincoln used to be a really nasty guy. He used to write letters and poems and he would send the criticizing. So he'd write letters and poems, criticizing people and he would send them to the people he was criticizing. And it kind of like, had it went went once too far with this one gentleman named James Shields when he he sent him a letter and James was immediately furious. He set out, he said, Lincoln's going to pay. He set out to fight Lincoln and they were, they got to the point where they're getting ready to duel with swords. And then it was, just before it was about to actually, before they were actually to, before they were about to duel, the the fighting was was stopped, and this taught Lincoln a valuable lesson in criticizing people and ridiculing them. That if there is, it's no good that people don't like it; that they're going to fight back on you. Fight you, fight back. They're going to fight it basically. And there's another scenario he talks about with General Meade in the Battle of Gettysburg. Lincoln had uh, General Lee basically. In his grasp, like in the palm of his hand, like this putty in his hands, basically, like all he had to do was just one more attack, and they had the the Confederates dead to rights. Well, and so he told General Meade to do the to 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 do a certain action, and Meade didn't do it. And said he he told him not to call a council of war, and that's exactly what Meade did, and then it allowed Lee to escape and the the Civil War continued to fight. And Lincoln had he'd written up a huge letter to send to Meade basically saying, Why have you done this? I can't believe you've done this. And just saying like, this is the, this, uh, your actions have, res- have, uh, repercussions basically, and it it's out what these were, but he never actually sent that letter. It was found when Lincoln had died or had, I'm sorry, had been assassinated and he never found that. Le- he never got that letter because he decided, he says, well, what if I was in his situation? That's where Lincoln really put himself in general Meade's situation and said, what if I was at Gettysburg and I had to see all the bloodshed, all the, the cries, the, the the wounded and everything like that maybe i wouldn't have done what i had asked him to do so like the, the, the main takeaway from that is before trying to change anyone else probably consider changing yourself think about what what it is you're about to do and kind of think about the outcome of it and that's what i really that was one of the the really the, the main takeaways from this chapter that i really liked and there's a a couple quotes that i liked that i do want to read one of them was by confucius and he said don't complain about the snow on your neighbor's roof when your own doorstep is unclean and that's that kind of goes on a little bit about more about the before trying to change anyone else, consider changing yourself. Like it's really easy for someone to criticize someone and say, "Hey, you did this. Now I'm going to lay it in lay into you." But nobody's perfect, so you really have no room to do that yourself because you're not a perfect person. And then uh, there's another part that said that uh, the biggest thing about dealing with people is that we're not dealing. The people we deal with aren't people of logic. They're more people of emotion. You can tell that easily so far with some of the, the examples I had in the chapter. I mean, with the gangster saying, why are they doing this to me? Or saying with uh, James Shields, who set out to fight Lincoln, people are easily uh, offended. And they when they get offended, they're quickly like defensive and they, they want to fight back. They don't think about it in a logical situation. They, just, they immediately take it to heart and they act on that act of heart. So and it really makes sense, too, when you think about it in other perspectives, like say if someone tells you, hey, you need to do this, you don't immediately think about, oh, why should I do that? You think of, oh, why do I have to do it? Why does it have to be me? Why can't it be you when you haven't done this, this and this? So it's really easy to take things emotionally. That's what we have to think about when we deal with people is that you're dealing with an emotional person, not a logical person. And another quote that was said, and this one was said by Carnegie, and this was any fool can criticize, condemn, and complain, and most fools do, but it takes a character and self con- but it takes character and self-control to be understanding and forgiving. And that's, I think, that's something I think should be kind of plastered everywhere. Like you see a lot of inspirational quotes on social media. I think that's one that should be plastered everywhere. And then uh, finally, one more quote I have to say, and this is by Carlisle, and it's a great man shows his greatness by the way he treats little men. And I think that's absolutely true. I mean, in the way you treat someone below you, like say if you're a big CEO and the way you treat the lowest peg on the totem pole, that says a lot about you. And if you can't do it, and if you can't treat that person well, that really shows what kind of person you are. And then he, then Carnegie concludes this chapter with a great, uh, a great little piece of writing from, I believe it was from Reader's Digest, and it's called Father Forgets. I'm not going to read it or kind of give like a, like a like a a quick summary of it but i just say like if you if you're interested in reading about this definitely look up father forgets and it's a great piece of it really is a great piece of writing that it's about a father talking to a son basically and if you can go if you go through that 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 would and it's another just it's just another great illustration of that so after every chapter, he, he posts a, a principle, and it says principle one. And this is what we just read from chapter one. It says principle one, do not criticize, condemn, or complain. So we go back to the name of the chapter with if you want to gather honey, don't kick over the beehive." So like, If you want to improve someone's behavior, if you want to improve someone's maybe uh, look on things, don't criticize them. Don't kick them down. Maybe try to build them up instead or go about it a different way. And you'll be able to get, you'll be able to achieve your end result, basically. So, I mean, if you look at, you can kind of think about this book as being a very self-centered point of view, but it's not at the same time. Yes, you have things you want to achieve, but you have to take into consideration the uh, the other person when achieving those things. You can't just say, oh, me, 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 me. You have to kind of really consider the other person. That's what you're going to see a lot in this book after chapter one. And you're going to see it in chapter two called The Big Secret of Dealing with People. So as you can see the, the the general outlay of the of the chapter is that he kind of starts it off with a little bit of a story. He talks about the like kind of like the the principle of matter. Then he just goes on and uses two or three other maybe or greater than 3 examples of how it's happened. It'll be maybe a historical examples. It'll be um, eyewitness stories of say people with a company from the classes he's taught. There's some examples he has to show that like hit the things that he's saying actually do work. And I I can't wait to as I as I read this, since I've already read this book and when I as I go through and talk about this, maybe I'll use examples that I've had in my life as well with this. So I don't I mean obviously I don't have any for this chapter, but moving forward. So moving forward for episode two, I'd like for us to go over chapters two and three of part one, and then we'll go into our part two of six ways to make people like you. So for next episode have chapters two and three read. I will talk about the summary of those and the, the big ideas of those and maybe something else to add to. I'd like to thank you guys for listening. I mean, I think this is going to be a great podcast. I, I really hope you guys will send in listener questions. You'll send in feedback. You'll send in your thoughts on things because that would make that's really what makes these book clubs kind of go. And it's kind of hard to do book clubs anymore. And especially with such a wide audience, if we can do a, do a virtual book club, I think it'll be really successful that way. So if you are still listening... Thank you for listening. I can't thank you enough. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review to flipping with Fig. I think we can really make this thing go. If you uh, maybe just tell one person about it, I mean, they tell one person about it. Everyone wants to read. If you ever, if you tell some, tell someone that oh, I just read this great book. One of the first things they'll always say is oh, I've been meaning to to get back into reading, and they always come up with some sort of excuse not to. But this this podcast could be a great way to get people back into reading or kind to, or kind of make it seem like they're reading as well if they don't actually want to read the book and they just want to hear the insight on it this is a great way to do it and i think this is if you were to if you were to tell a couple people about it and they were to listen they could keep the trend going and we could really grow this podcast so again thank you for listening don't forget to subscribe rate and review to flipping with fig it's been your boy fig and i can't wait to talk to you about the next chapters